Thank you for listening to another episode of the Road Trip Playlist podcast. This week, my guest is Oliver the Kid. At the end of every interview, I ask an interesting person I should have as a guest on my podcast, and Oliver the Kid came as a recommendation from episode one with Lost Boy Crow. Oliver the Kid is in an upcoming band with Lost Boy Crow called 1990 Nowhere. He is also a super talented songwriter and composer. For his day job, he works to write songs that will go on TV and movies. When learning about him, I found out he has a really cool story with music. He started playing music when his dad forced him to learn an instrument and he chose drums because his brother already played guitar, but he hated the drums. He shares an interesting story with me about how he grew to love the drums and eventually his career took off as a drummer for the band The Neighborhood and their song Sweater Weather, which eventually topped the Billboard charts in 2013. He told me a lot of stories from the beginning of the band The Neighborhood, touring with Imagine Dragons in the 1975, and his eventual departure from the neighborhood. After learning more about why he left the neighborhood, we talked about his solo career and some of the really cool stories surrounding that, and it's really inspiring. It's a really great interview, and I'm excited for you all to hear it after a quick word from our sponsor. And so I wanted to start off, first off, how have you been doing? How are you doing through all this? I know quarantine's thrown music and musicians and creatives really for a loop. So how have you been doing with all this? Yeah, I've been all right. I mean, I um, I live alone, so that's been a little bit tough. Um, but I've been working on a lot of music. Um, so I do my solo projects with Oliver the Kid, and then I'm also in a band called La Bouquet. Mm-hmm. And this quarantine kind of jump-started us recording our second record, which like six months ago, I'm not even sure we were going to do a second record. I think we were maybe going to call it quit. Really? Kind of. Yeah, we had our, our guitarist quit, the band, so it was just me and Drew, um, and so we were just kind of like, I mean, we put out a couple singles this year, we were going to see what happened, and, you know, we had a couple more in the bank we were going to release, we were, you know, just talking about, you know, is this it, kind of thing, and then we decided to kind of give it one last go, make another record, because, you know, uh, we just love making music, man, and at the end of the day, that's what we want it to be about, you know, we started doing this because we love it. And, you know, I think so much of music nowadays has become uh, for ulterior motives. And so we wanted to kind of do one last record for fun. And then we kind of got like a guy to invest in it and then quarantine happened. So like the producer that we wanted to produce it became available because he's usually an MD. And so the stars kind of aligned. So we, up until now we were working on the record like four days a week and I think we're done. So (laughs) we're like, yeah, like from nothing when quarantine started besides like maybe a few like ideas to (laughs) a 13 song record done with four guest vocal features, two saxophone solos, two guitar solos from a, a guest guitar player appearance, like, a gospel choir on a song like oh my god the drummer for father john misty plays tracks on to play drums on the last track wow yeah it's kind of gone from like nothing to this so it's kind of been like you know if there's one positive to take from quarantine among all of the among all of the negative for me that's definitely it so that's that's been that's been most of my quarantine to be honest with you (laughs) that's incredible and it's so crazy how really things just came together because I, I don't know how easy it would have been to, to get all of the people to appear. You talked about the producer that it would have been hard to tie down the producer that you wanted. 
Yeah. And, and also then like getting a gospel, anything you say, gospel choir and saxophone, any song with that, I'm immediately drawn into. I don't oh, know yeah. what it is about it, but wow. Okay. I'm excited for this. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been fun, but I mean, yeah, we, we kind of like, we were going four days a week and then we went kind of down to three and then we went down to two and then we went down to one. And then this is maybe the first week we're having where I don't think we're going to do anything. I think it's up to the producer to just kind of like go through and fine tune before we send off the mixing. So I actually, uh, I went and got the COVID test. Did you? Yeah, because um, I haven't like seen anyone besides the producer because we both live alone and we live really close um, this whole time. So uh, I got the COVID test and I'm actually at my mom's house right now because I hadn't seen anyone. So I got it. I got the results back yesterday. And then for Memorial Day, I decided to come out and spend it with my mom since I'm, uh, I'm cleared and I hadn't wow. seen anybody since I took it. So, Wow, that's so awesome. What is the test like? So there's two. You can take the antibody, antibody, Jesus, uh, antibody test, which... Um, basically tells you if, if you have had it, and if you have had it, your body builds up antibodies to it. Okay. But the common misconception with that is that people think that that means you can't get it again, like uh-huh. you're immune to it. Yeah. And that's true for most other viruses, but for this one, they don't know yet. So I got that one, but then I had to get the actual, actual test as well, which is the swab that oh. goes into your nostril. Yeah. And it goes like four or five inches in, <laughs> which is, it's, it's weird because it looks like, it, like in the videos, it looks like it goes up, but really it goes back. Oh, man. So it goes all the way to kind of like the back of your throat. It's really weird because it's just like, it didn't hurt, like pain scale. It was like a one or two out of 10. Like it didn't hurt that bad, but it was just so uncomfortable and awkward and uneasy and like queasy and like, you know, it makes your eyes water immediately and then they have to twist it once it's all the way back there. And that's like, it's just, it's just like, it's a feeling I've never felt before. So (laughs) it just makes you feel really uncomfortable. It's not pleasant, but it doesn't work, you know? (laughs) Well, well, I appreciate the detail because I've known, I think I know like maybe two or three other people that have taken the test but I haven't asked them the details and I appreciate you giving that to me. Um, I wanted to start off. I read, this is the road trip playlist podcast. I read that you love the road and you would live on the road if you could. The interview was a few years ago. So I wondered if that was still true and what is it about the road that you love? I think it's, it's, it's hit or miss with people. I mean, it's a lot of it for me now. It's like circumstantial, you know, I mean, when you first start being in a band and when you're young, any tour is a good tour, you know, Uh like I remember, I remember like even before I was in the neighborhood, like my high school band, like we were trying to like book, you know, short tours to like Texas and back for like South (laughs) by Southwest and like 2006 and seven and eight. And it's like, you know, those tours would have been the absolute definition of a grinder tour. (laughs) <laughs> because it would have been, especially back then, like, I'm sure it would have been us in, like, not even a van, like a minivan. <laughs> and I'm sure we would have either slept in the minivan or friends' houses, like, no hotels, not even motels. 
<laughs> and we would have probably played shows to no one. <laughs> and I'm sure we would have had the same time of our lives. You know yeah. What I mean? Yeah. But it's it's just like think like it changes as you tour more. So like I love the road, but like if the road was nowadays going back and doing that, I wouldn't love it. <laughs> I'd be like, I no thanks, that's not really for me anymore. Or like, you know, we've I've turned down a couple kind of like other grinder tours for Oliver the Kid and La Bouquet that have been like um like not not that bad but it was like we would have had a, we would have had a sprinter van but like there was one tour where it was like um it was going to be like like 30 shows in 35 days oh my gosh and it was going to be really long drives and our guarantees for the shows were going to be like 250 a show wow and it was Lava K tour and like, we don't have a drummer. I play the drums on the recording. So we have to pay a drummer to play with us live. Oh, yeah. So that's two fifty. That's supposed to pay for the drummer. If we have a tour manager, gas, everyone's food, you know what I mean? Not to mention <laughs> we're like the cost of renting a sprinter van or even yeah. a different passenger van, oh you know, God. let alone if something breaks or whatever. And it's like, once again, like I've done those tours too. And when I did those tours, they were fun. But now, you know, I'm turning 30 in July and I've toured for like 10 years. It's like, would I want to do that tour again? Not necessarily. <laughs> I'd be up for it if it was like with the right people. And like, you know, if the, like I think for that tour, it was going to be another one where like only major cities were like selling well and all the B markets were like not selling well. Oh, I see. So it's, it's you know what I mean? Like when you get to a certain point, like playing a show to no one or to like 10 people does more harm than good. Yep. You know, like at a certain, I think when, when you're young, a lot of it's about quantity of shows. Like, I mean, especially for getting like better at your craft, but like my first band, my first couple bands, we would play like every other weekend. So like yeah. our friends and family pretty much, like it was the wow. same people coming every time because we were a high school band and no one cared. But uh -huh. we played, like my first band ever probably played like 40 shows. And it was like to no one, you know? Yeah. But at a certain point when you get older and you're doing it for a living, it's like, you know, it's not really about the quantity of shows. It's more about the quality of shows. Yeah. And like, you know, playing, we actually did a small run with uh, Lost Boy Crow where we did um, Santa Barbara. Uh, it was Santa Barbara, Arizona, uh, Los Angeles, and... I think it was either Orange County or San Diego. Maybe it was both. I really don't remember. This is weird. It wasn't that long ago. But, like, the L.A. show was sold out. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm relatively close friends with Halsey, and she came. So it was like, wow, like, what a big thing. We're playing a sold-out show in L.A. And, like, friggin' Halsey's here. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but then, like, rewind that tour two nights. And we were in Arizona playing to maybe 35 people, 40 people. Oh my gosh. Wow. And it's like, you know what I mean? Like the, just the, the difference of like, you know, in Arizona, I played in like shorts, a tank top and Crocs because I was like, this show sucks. I'm in a bad mood. I'm just going <laughs> to get like drunk probably. Like I'm losing money on this show. And like we drove and we had traffic, but there's like nine hours to get here for nothing. Oh my gosh. Basically. Yeah. Um, wow. 
but yeah, I mean, like once you get doing better tours, like I've done, you know, amazing tours all over the kid did Russia, you know, I did a, um, an all over the kid tour, even like the smaller grinder tours with that were fun with like family band and dark waves. Um, you know, I did it all over the kid did a, did the first ever Halsey tour. That was really fun. All the wow. neighborhood tours were really fun because either, either it was early on and they were grinder tours, but they were fun because I hadn't done a million of them yet. Or like, you know, we eventually worked our way through a bus. I did a bunch of bus tours and like, you know, playing in stadiums with like Imagine Dragons. And then like, yeah. you know, I, I've played shows with Fed the Sky, you know, doing all of the kid features. And like, you know, we played friggin' Staples Center last year. Yeah. And I was like, you know, so it depends. I mean, I think in an ideal world, yes, I'd love to be on the road forever. But I also think it kind of depends. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I'm not going to do it just to do it anymore i would do it because i was seeing a reciprocated energy from fans being like yeah not only do you like doing it but we also like you doing it and we want to come support it you know what i mean yeah definitely yeah i wanted to ask what are on your road trip playlist um i think for me it totally depends on the mood because you know like given how much music i make and like um my my day my quote unquote day job is i write songs for like commercials and tv shows and stuff uh-huh um and i've been doing that for like 7 or 8 years so it just depends because i can get pretty over music <laughs> yeah so it depends sometimes like i'll be a big podcast guy okay um for 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 road trips but Generally, I have a couple go-tos. I think top, off the top, just a, a band, you could hit shuffle on their discography and you're going to get a good vibe for a drive, is The War on Drugs. Okay. Um, great band. Uh, they're like, you know, they're, I, I would say they're, if someone was like, describe their music, I'd go like driving music. <laughs> oh, okay. Like, it's really good. Um, it's really good, like, folk, indie, rock that you know it's got a it's got a pinch of springsteen and gaslight anthem but it's also got a pinch of like maybe tame impala but yeah with um you know that's like the verbed out vocals and it's really good stuff um yeah if i need something for energy that's a big one on road trips especially you know if you're touring and you have a long drive i'll Mm -hmm. um i'll pop on like the story so far which is like a like a uh rock pop punk band yeah. yeah i know them yeah from the bay and i've done a lot of work with their producer but they've been a band that like you know every album kind of like they have like the harry potter effect with me almost where like i've grown with their music oh uh, yeah like when they put out their first album i was like young and it was like you know sloppy pop punk but that's what i wanted and then like their next one was a little <laughs> more polished and that's what i wanted and then the next one was like gritty and weird and that's what i wanted and then their new one is like if pop punk meets like oasis and i'm yeah. like the dude i'm about to turn 30 and i'm like yes that's exactly <laughs> like that's the that's the merging of young me and older me in one and it's an amazing I love record that. um I was... obviously there's there's night drive tunes i mean i'd say like my favorite three artists probably of all time are uh bonnie Vare. Uh, Frank Ocean and Father John Misty. Oh yeah. 
And those are basically all guys that, like, you know, if you're not sleepy, because if you're sleepy, don't put it on. Because it's yeah. like put you to sleep behind the wheel. But yeah. if you're not sleepy, <laughs> great late-night jams because, you know, especially if you're touring, you're not going to wake anybody up with those kind of jams yeah. because they're, they're, they're mellow enough. But it's also the kind of stuff that's like, those are the kind of, that's the kind of music that it can inspire you, you know, like Definitely. the amount of epiphanies I've had on a late night drive listening to an amazing Bonnie Vare record or even like a James Blake record. Yeah. Oh yeah. When his last album came out, I was on tour and I listened to it on a drive out of San Francisco. And I remember crossing the bridge and it was like, I was having like a transcendental moment. I was like, I'm inspired. Yeah. Like, this that, is what I want, you know? Yeah. All of those are, those, all those four you just mentioned are on, I can't make a road trip playlist without one of those four. No matter awesome. how many I make, I, like, it's like, there's a lot of repeats because those four just stand up, but I also like to find more that, more different times that stick out to me as well. So I love that you named those. Totally. But yeah, I wanted to talk more about you. I wanted to, I wanted to, to talk a lot about you. I, I've been fascinated by your your path in music and to get there. And first off was just about how your dad, it all started with your dad insisting that you take some sort of lessons and yeah. you ended up taking drum lessons because your brother called the guitar, but mm-hmm. you hated it for a while. Yeah, my brother actually played, my brother had a guitar and said he was going to take guitar lessons, but then, like, like switched pretty quickly on to bass. Oh, okay. Because then in my, my first two bands, me and my brother were in those bands together, and I played drums and he played bass. Um, oh, I see. Yeah, but I remember jamming in, like, my dad's old, like, home office, uh, Come Together by the Beatles. <laughs> okay. And it was like my brother was playing bass, my dad was playing guitar, and I was playing drums. That's cool. Um, yeah, but I hated drums for a long time. I think I think part of it was like uh I don't know, it's tough because like you want I, you always wonder about like what would I do with my kid? Like you want to say like I'd let my kid do whatever they wanted, but like if I kind of wasn't <laughs> forced into it, like would I have found the love for it, you know what I mean? Like it's because yeah. my life I'm like the only thing I care about and for the first couple of years like I didn't practice. I I played drums once a week and it was during my lesson <laughs> one hour long lesson and like part of it i think could have been like the first drum teacher i had was pretty was pretty brutally boring like i think he would he would like <laughs> he would like eat a sandwich while he was just like having me go like now do your right hand and i was going bop bop um, bop bop now left hand bop 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 but who knows maybe he was a genius because <laughs> nowadays like my one my one redeeming quality if i was like to do something in like one take in a studio would be like my timing oh. and so maybe yeah. he was he was going on to something and i was just like you know he he had to he played the he was the he was the villain that i i i didn't think i needed but i did you know <laughs> and that's so funny <laughs> Um, when, and so when, like you hated it, but when did it become something where you did want to like be in bands or kind of pursue music? When did it kind of click for you? That's a good question. I mean, I remember jamming with a couple of different guys, um, that I, that I, like one of my brother's friends and me, who we were in our first ever band together. 
Um, and we were a band for a long time and we did like a whole seven song EP and we still keep in touch. And he actually went on to be in a band with Drew, who's in La Bouquet, uh-huh. um, for years. Um, but I don't remember exactly what it was. I know part of it was when I switched drum teachers because the next guy I had was kind of like, I'm not going to teach you shit you don't want to know. So he was like, let's learn to play along to some of your favorite songs. Oh, cool. And that's how he taught me how to play drums, basically. It was like I would show him a song, and then we would just spend the lesson learning how to play it. And so, wow. like, you know, then that evolved into me liking, like, metal and him being, I mean, he played, he was the drummer for Tower of Power, which is like a funk band. No way. Oh, I know. That was my first concert I ever went to. Yeah. So he I was like, Tower of Power. He was the coolest guy, dude. Robert Lobato. He would show up on a, on a motorcycle um, <laughs> to my, to, to the lessons and he would teach me how to, how to play those songs. And he was a saint because for having patience with me, because he'd be like, what song do you want to learn? And I was really into metal. You know, especially as we progressed. So, like, I got a double bass pedal, and I just wanted to play along to all these, like, horrible screamo songs. And, like, <laughs> he was teaching me, like, the, the Portnoy fills. Like, those, like, classic, like, it sounds harder than it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it kind of feels that every metal drummer does. That's, like, it's because it just sounds really fast because you're mixing your hands and your feet. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, he was saying, I mean... I think definitely him letting me play whatever I wanted and then just meeting the right people. Like I think meeting not, I didn't meet him. I knew him, my brother's friend, Zach. And we just kind of like bonded. And for a long time, it was just me and him jamming in the garage in my parents' garage. And then, you know, then we added my buddy, Mark, who played guitar and he was actually like really good. Whereas, like, me and Zach had the passion, but at the time it was like, you know, we were both kind of one-trick ponies. Yeah. And then adding a guitar player who was actually really good, and then adding my brother to round it out, who was just kind of like, just kind of happy to be there, you know? (laughs) He wasn't, you know, he was just kind of like, yeah, just show me the root notes, and, like, I have good rhythm, and I'll just play the root notes, and, like, I'm... My brother was, like, a good-looking dude. So it's like, yeah, I'll be a good-looking dude to play on stage. I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'll jump up on my amp at one point, and it was fun. So probably around there, but it's hard to, yeah, I guess it's hard to pinpoint exactly where, but, yeah. Yeah, and that, and that's amazing. And then and then you, you go away to college, and you were you mm-hmm. wanted to be an English teacher. Is that right? Yeah, so I was an English major in community college. Because um, okay. I basically got accepted to the college I ended up going to in New Orleans, uh, it's called Loyola, for uh-huh. music business out of high school. But I did the classic, like, I'm not going to go because I can't leave town because my band's going to make it, basically. Oh, okay. And so I went to Santa Bar. I went to Moore Park Community College for a year, and then I went to Santa Barbara Community College for two years. And so I actually got two AAs from... Um, like two, that's like the community college degree. Uh-huh. And you generally get one, but I got two because I was I did three years. Um, oh, okay. So yeah, I mean, I went for an I was an English major, and I really enjoyed creative writing. And I think in my mind, it was like if music doesn't work out, I'm just gonna be like a creative writing 
teacher. Um, oh, okay. Either for like middle school, because I'm good with middle schoolers. I was a camp counselor for a number of years for middle schoolers okay. um, or college. Um, and then I, and then I ended up, you know, the band stuff didn't work out in those three years. I was in like three different bands. Um, yeah. And it didn't work out. So then I, when I graduated from community college, I went to New Orleans and, oh, okay. then, I, and then I switched to music business. So. Okay. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. And, and so then, so then it was time that you, that you did leave the school, um, for, to be, to per, the band thing was, was where you, where it did work out and you left school with three weeks left to, 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 to go work with the neighborhood. What was that like? What was that decision like for you with such a short time left? Yeah, so we had been working on stuff. That was one of the bands that I was in, but we had gone through a bunch of different names. Um, like, I think at one point it was like Jesse James and the Outlaws, and then at one point it was like Jesse James Presents the Neighborhood. It was like, <laughs> that would have been a oh. name. Yeah, we had, we had been working on a bunch of music, um, but then I went away thinking like nothing's going to happen. And then long story short... Jesse got a email from our guy who ended up being our manager for something else for like a mixtape that Jesse put out for like the hip hop. Huh. And then I think Jesse showed him our tunes. He liked it. Then they they called me and like, you should leave school. We have this like really promising manager who like, I guess was like claimed to fame is that like he found Akon or something oh. like that. It's something like that. <laughs> Wow. Like he used to work for like he used to work for like Motown or like Gatsham or something I can't remember. Um, but whatever. Um, and he was like a pretty pretty well known guy. And they were like, "You should leave." And I was like, "No." <laughs> and then the manager started getting us like label calls, like wow. label deals. And like the, I started flying out of New Orleans and like meeting the rest of the guys in like New York for like label meetings. Wow. And I was like, okay, I will leave if I have to, but, like, I'm almost done. And then I think we got – I think it was our first tour, which was with the Wombats. Um, okay. And they were like, you got to leave. Like, if you if you want to be in this and, like, continue to be in this, you have to leave now. Wow. And then I, okay. I went and talked to my dean of the school, and he was basic, he was basically like, why wouldn't you go? <laughs> Oh, I made wow. just a big deal about it in my head, and he was like, you're here for music business. You are in a position now where you are going to have a career in music. That's the whole point of the school. If you ever want to come back, you know, you got in twice, basically. Like, wow. Once out of high school and then once after community college. So he was like, just go. And I went. Wow. And then, yeah. That's, a, that's interesting. That's cool. And so, wow, it's cool that he was pushing you that way. Um, did you feel prepared for, for what the neighborhood became? And, and it sounds like it happened pretty quickly. Did you feel prepared for that? Yeah, I think I was prepared for it. I mean, you know, I, I think like, I was definitely like, um, I was definitely like solid. Like I'm a good dude on the road because I'm like pretty easygoing. Yeah. And I was, I was like playing drums and singing backup. And I was driving most of the time. So I was kind of like all around like workhorse. 
okay. You know, I was prepared for I was prepared for everything, like you know, playing like David Letterman and like playing, you know, doing like huge tours with like Imagine Dragons and like playing freaking like K Rock almost as a Christmas and like all that shit. I was prepared for it. Was kind of the devolving like friendships. I wasn't prepared for because yeah, because you know, you're on tour with like a bunch of people who have never really done something like this before, but you have me who's like at the time had the most life experience. Like, okay. I had been away from my parents for so long. I went to community college for three years and then I was living in new Orleans. Like I had lived with people. I had, you know, gotten in fights, you know, passed out, drunk somewhere, woke up not knowing where I am, like, you know, lived on my own, lived with, lived with other people, had to deal with that, like, you know, all that stuff. And then I'm I'm in a band with a bunch of guys who were like, I think when we started the band, Mikey was 17. <laughs> and then it wow. was like, Mikey was 17, Jeremy was 18, Zach was 19, Jesse was 20, and I was 21. But like, none of them had really like, and this is no, I'm not throwing shit or anything. It's just like facts. Like none of them had really at the time like done anything. Yeah. Like, I mean, me and Jesse had like played a show in Arizona once and like they'd all played like local shows, but like they all still live with their parents. They all didn't go to college. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, that's just to say that I think like life on the road for me was like a bit easier. I think I was, I think I was coping with it well. And I think yeah. some of the guys weren't. And then that led to, you know, eventual, uh, you know, people people butting heads and either being like, you know, I'm happy with this or I'm not. Yeah. And, you know, you know, I don't know. It's just, yeah, people deal with things in different ways. But, I mean, mm-hmm. I think I was, I was, I was okay with it. I mean, I, I was like, you know, like what happened with the band. Like, I was totally fine. I, I just wasn't, maybe wasn't prepared for how it ended I guess and like people's you know how people change and can let the road get to them and you know all that yeah yeah that's really interesting I I kind of just thought of that question as you were talking about how everything was happening while you were in school and 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 the quick notice like okay like if you we got a tour if you want to do this let, let's go but yeah I didn't think of all I didn't know the life experience and the ages and just how much like yeah I mean like we were hard. I, yeah like I was going out to like bars on like the road and like trying to meet girls and like trying to see cities and like I had like a hot sauce collection I was going around like all like the major hot sauce places and like <laughs> and I don't know do you know what I mean like I was just like oh this is fun like I've done stuff like this before yeah and it's like playing shows all the time and playing drums and singing like these songs are easy to play on drums yeah and you know all this is cakewalk I'm, I'm good with people I remember the first day we like toured with 1975 I like I walked straight up to their bus and walked right onto it. Like, I didn't knock, didn't do anything. Nobody else came with me from our band. I walked out and I was like, what's up, boys? How we doing? What are we saying? And, like, to this day, I'm still friends with those guys. And, like, I think that's why because it's just, like, you know, it's just, it's it's fun. And, it's you know, I was making the most of it. But, you know, I think it was tougher for everybody else. Um, I, I've got to ask, how's your, is your hot sauce collection still growing? Are you still doing that? I've gotten nuts with the hot sauce, man. 
<laughs> Nuts. I mean, I, I, I actually lost that specific collection. I mean, not that it would be good anymore anyway. It would have definitely, uh, <laughs> feel like expired. But, yeah, I ended up losing that at the end of one tour because I left it in a bus. Okay. And the buses get cleaned out. Yeah. You know, between uses. So I lost it all. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I love hot sauce. I've done, I do like the hot sauce challenges at places. Uh huh. And, like, I've done it to, like, my own detriment where, like, I, I did it, I did it at, like, Howlin' Rays, which is, like, it's not a hot sauce. It's a Nashville hot chicken place. So yeah, it, yeah. That's on, I, I, that's on my list of places I want to try. Yeah, so th- that place is amazing. It's one of the best places to eat ever. But it's like <laughs> they they have their their stuff goes in in degrees of hot sauce. Like their fried chicken with no hot sauce on it is some is some of the best fried chicken I've ever had. Definitely wow. the best fried chicken in L.A. Wow. But it goes up okay. in degrees, and then you get to the end of the thing, and it's like Carolina Reaper, and it's like that's the hottest pepper in the world. <laughs> and so I had that, and it's like their fried chicken covered in like a dry rub Carolina Reaper, and wow. it was delicious. Don't get me wrong, but like they make you sign a waiver, they give you gloves because <laughs> like it was delicious when I ate it, but it ruined my day. Oh yeah, it, it ruined my life for 24 hours. <laughs> like I, I'm not joking. Like I I ate it and I was like sweating, and then my stomach started to really hurt, and then I oh, was man. like felt like I was like coming off of like a massive hangover or something like I didn't have a headache but I was just so tired I was just like sitting I was like sleeping for like the next 12 like my life was just in shambles for like 24 hours wow I do love hot sauces (laughs) I have I have like the hot ones hot sauce in my fridge yeah okay well well that's cool I had to ask when when that was brought up but I wanted I wanted to talk about uh Oliver the Kid I want to talk about your project there and some of the other things that you've been working on after you left the neighborhood, like you said, what was some of the most fulfilling parts of um, focusing on your own art and creating in your own way as Oliver the Kid? I mean, it was scary, you know? That shit, that's so scary. It's like, especially when you're leaving a band that, like, at the time, you know, we had been, like, one of the biggest bands in the world. And I yeah. think, like, we, st- I think still to this day, like, in the last 10 years, in terms of, like, Bands who have had like a huge hit and it was different, done yeah. something like new. I still think I still think our album's up there. You know, like definitely. Oh, hundred percent. Like in the last like five years, like I feel like no one's tried to shake things up. Like there have been amazing singles and amazing hits from bands, but like when's the last time a band came on the scene that did something like new? You know? Yeah. Like it's like the neighborhood, the nineteen seventy five, and then like before that, it was like maybe Imagine Dragons and Tame Impala. Yeah. And then before that, it's like the Strokes and the Killers and like Mumford and Sons. That was really new when they first did that. Yeah. But like post 2012, 13, 14, like there's nothing really. Um, So coming off that and like doing your own thing, is scary, you know? Yeah. But so it was the most fulfilling thing was kind of like seeing the reaction and like making a career out of it. Like I didn't know what I was doing on the first EP. Like, the freaky P I was like collaborating with so many people. Cause I was like, Hey, I can play drums and guitar and bass and sing. Like I'm not that good at any of those things. Like I'm like <laughs> Jack of all trades, master of none. Like I'm pretty good at everything, 
but I'm not, like, really good at anything. Yeah. So, like, what's my thing going to be? And, like, I think over the years, my thing has become lyrics. Definitely. But, like, that I, at the time, I didn't, even, I didn't even think that far ahead. Like, the Freak EP is so, like, naive sounding, but, like, that's almost the beauty of it. Oh, totally. But just, like, so, I don't know, to do, like, the first holiday tour and, like, to tour Russia with all of the kids stuff and, like, you know, just to see, you know, to have, like, big hits and, like, numbers. Like, I did that I did that song with Skizzy Mars and G-Eazy yeah. called Time. And to see that have, like, you know, almost 100 million plays on Spotify and, like, you know, to play Staples Center with Said the Sky, like, just like, I mean, that was a moment, that was maybe the biggest moment, because I was like, I came off a breakup, and so, like, I went to that show alone. I live in downtown LA, so I walk from my house to Staples Center. Oh, my gosh. And then I walk in, sound check in Staples Center, and then played with Sold Out Staples Center by myself. I mean, obviously, wow. like, I'm friends with Said This Guy and Dabin and Elenium yeah. and, like, Annika and stuff, but, like... I showed up alone. I left alone. And I had a huge moment to myself where, like, after I did that, I, like, went out to the smoking area that I normally go to for Kings games. And they had that closed, but they let me through because I had, like, the artist pass. And I'm just there drinking a beer, having just played to a sold-out stable center, like, smoking a cig, overlooking L.A. And I'm just like, I did it. Wow. Like, I did this. You know what I mean? Like, who would have thought that, like, after leaving, you know, the neighborhood, uh, you know, I'm sure everyone, we, weirdly, there's, like, a faction of people who don't like me, which is strange. Like, it's like there, there's, like, neighborhood fans who are, like, I don't know, think I'm, think that I left when I didn't. I got kicked out. <laughs> but, um, um, yeah, kicked out by, by Jesse. Um but interesting there's numerous i've i've read a lot about you and so there's numerous there's so many different stories of how everything happened and so some are like you left some are a mutual and so yeah i hadn't read the, the kicked out part yeah i yeah i mean I, I mean i'm not saying it wasn't i'm not saying that i didn't agree with the decision yeah. i agree <laughs> i agree with the decision especially in hindsight but even at the time i think i I knew it was right, but I I didn't breach the conversation. So I think if it's like who started the conversation moving in that way, it was him. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, you know, he's a strong, he's a strong personality, and the rest of the guys are very nice and easygoing. Yeah. And I'm a strong personality, and so when you have two strong personalities clashing and one is the singer and one is the drummer, like who is the yeah. fuck you gonna choose? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like I get it, bro. Like you know, but I just think I think we could have I think we could have worked it out, but like obviously I'm glad we didn't. I wouldn't have got to look and play to a sing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I sang to like a sold out stable center crowd. Totally. Like, that's crazy. Like No. And everyone, you know, when I was not in the band anymore probably would have been like, That's probably the last I hear of that guy. And then, like, just to do what I've done from it is definitely the most satisfying stuff because I'm just, like, I don't know. Just to, like, look out at, like, you know. I mean, it was, like, it was crazy, too, because we did – I did the Palladium, um, like, sold out. And it was, like, the last time I played the Palladium was with the neighborhood playing drums. And, like, I played that and sang wow. that. And I was, like, 
let's go. You know what I mean? It was like, <laughs> Definitely. I was like, last time I was here, I was behind a drum set and it was like, you know, six months before I was like kicked out of a band and like to come back, you know, X amount of totally. and play it again. Mm-hmm. But this time I'm singing and like the and whole place is singing the, the words back at me. It's like, you know, it's just, yeah, it's just gratifying, man. You just can't get, you just can't give up so many times I wanted to, but like I wouldn't have, if I didn't get to this year, this past year, I wouldn't have played the Palladium, you know, I wouldn't have played Stable Center. Like, that's I wouldn't have got to work on all these cool records I've got to work on and, you know. That's incredible. And and kudos to you. And I can't imagine how, how satisfying it is to to feel kind of the pressure of what, what you felt others might have been saying with that being the last time they see you and things and then being mm-hmm. able to, to to overcome. And I and it's certainly not done. And I'm excited for, for all that's, that's coming for you. I wanted to ask about where you said your strength is in lyrics. Mm-hmm. How much of that comes from you're very well read, you wanted to do stuff in creative writing. How much of your lyrics come from that? Probably all of it. Like, you know, like I think I – I think it comes from that, but also, also wanting to do something different, you know? Yeah. And like, I'm not concerned. I'm not really concerned with like having a hit song. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there was a guy one time who said to me in an interview, no, I guess not an interview, like a meeting for a label. He was an A&R and he was like, it sounds more condescending than I think he meant it, but he was like, you know what your problem is? you could write Shut Up and Dance With Me, but you won't. Huh. And I was like, huh. I was like, I don't necessarily agree with that because I mean, that's a great song. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I actually really enjoy that song because I love a good pop song. Um, yeah. But I think it's, yeah, it comes from, it definitely comes from, like, I want to still at some point write a book. I've been working on, like, a poetry book for years that's, like, easier said than done because you know i i sometimes will turn poems into songs and then it's like okay well do i still want to use it for this poem or is it are people going to think i'm just calling my lyrics a poem or like does it matter blah blah blah. yeah um but i think a lot of it comes from that like i had a poetry club in college or in uh high school with my friend katia that then um spilled over into college when i went to new orleans um, and so, like, it definitely comes from, like, I've always wanted to do that. I will always do that. That'll always be a part of my life. So, like, obviously, it's going to bleed over into lyrics. But also, like, I just don't want to do what's been done, you know? Yeah. Like, I think when – because I write songs for, like, commercials and TV shows, and that's, like, my arena to kind of, like, do what's been done. Yeah. And, like, you'll never, like, there's so many times where I've written a song for, like, a commercial or a TV show, and I'll show someone, and they'll be like, why don't you use this? This is, like, really good. They'll be like, uh-huh. this is, like, a great pop song or a great rock song. And I'll be like, because it's just paint by numbers. It's like, there's no, there's no substance to this. It's just, like, I gave this company, you know, for a potential Toyota ad or whatever. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I gave them what they wanted to hear, which is just, paint by numbers i'm just regurgitating stuff i've seen you know what i mean like yeah i'm just saying like yeah you want this and you want this and you want these lyrics to mean absolutely nothing but sound like they do and i'll do it and it does sound good and it's like i'll listen back to some of them and be like yeah that's a good song but like 
where it lacked is lyrics, for yeah. me at least. Yeah. I mean, you know, so it's just a mixture. It's a mixture of, like, I'll always do that. It's definitely like my background and, like, my background, but also might be, like, my future. Yeah. But, yeah, it's a mixture of that. And then also just, like, I don't want to do what everybody's doing. Like, I'm I'm okay I'm okay with being a slow burn. You know what I mean? Like, obviously I'm okay with being a slow burn. I've been doing this for like 10 years and like, you know, there's definitely been points where it it would have been easy to like call it, you know? Yeah. But then you don't call it and then you, you know, play Staples Center and you get a big EDM artist being like, I like you because of your lyrics. And I'm like, that's that's the thing that's polarizing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you'll get an EDM artist who trusts you and lets you write a lyric like punk band playing black flag, my shirt faded chromag, lead singer wearing dog tags, and you and me. And it's like, he'll be like, that's awesome. Um, that cool. is. Most people would hate that because I'm talking about like a punk band covering a black flag song. And then like <laughs> my shirt being another punk band, which is called the chromags. And then, yeah like the guys wearing dog tags and you and me. And it's like, that's a love song. That's a, that's a love lyric, but it's just like, I don't want to say it in a way that's been said. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I wanted to point out, sorry, you, I I don't want to take up too much of your time. I have a lot more questions. I don't think we're going to get to all of them. I'd love to talk to you again. Um, But, um, but yeah, I want to talk about your recent single Thunder Love and point out some of the lyrics that stuck out to me that awesome. I think that's that song has a lot of strong lyrics and I loved have you ever felt a pain like watching a loved one watching loved ones walk away from you and then yeah. also but I'm still on the run I act like I'm having fun and both of those brought back these feelings like deja vu to me or feelings that I could relate to and so what's a song like that well writing lyrics like that in a song like for you and having to relive, I feel like you must relive different pains through it. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a bit of both, really. You know what I mean? It's two sides of the same coin. I think it's it's hard to write about, and you relive some of it, but also it's like cathartic to like get off your chest, and it's almost like it used to live here, now it lives in that song. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I almost got rid of it, kind of thing. Okay, I was curious about that. Um, I mean, it depends. Those are definitely feelings I still feel sometimes because that song's about a specific person. Um, but yeah, it's funny, like a song like that, like maybe would have not ever come out had quarantine not happened. Interesting. Yeah. Like that was meant for the next all over the kid EP, which is I'm working on. But then we kind of went through the songs we had and we were like, okay, these like five or six all sound like they would, they belong in the same group. And these three or four don't. And the three or four that didn't were one of them was Thunderlove. And so I was like, yeah, it is kind of a weird one. It's very like Frank Ocean-y and like the transition that happens is like kind of like night inspired by like it goes from one thing into another. There's no real chorus. You know what I mean? Like I know putting a song like that out is not going to get me 500 million streams. I sound like okay. I make me a million dollars. You know what I yeah. mean? But at a certain point, I had to just be like, that's, that's not what I'm doing it for. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I'm here to make music because I love making music. And, like, I want to make stuff that I like and not think about how, quote, unquote, well it's going to do. 
So quarantine kind of put a lot of that into perspective. And so even though that song isn't going to make it out of the next All Over the Kitty P, I was like, I do have a soft spot for this. This does mean a lot to me. The lyrics are something I'm proud of in that song because they're about basically like my high school girlfriend that yeah. we dated on and off for like 10 years, basically. Wow. And so it's like, you know, all that's, all that's real. Like souvenirs from our relationship. I'm in the shower contemplating it, how I could have changed. Have you had a spiritual experience, which is my website. Which I put okay. out before the song came out. Have you had a spiritual experience? dot com? Um, like a coffee cup that you bought me, which is true. I have two coffee cups. Remember, pumpkin patch on Halloween. Like we went to the pumpkin patch in San Francisco. Wow. Like uh, disposables from high school. We hurt each other like we're supposed to. Like I have disposables of her and me, obviously, from our relationship. And so it's just like, you know, that song for me. When I was listening back to it, and I was like do I put this out? I was like, I'm proud of the lyrics. Yeah. yeah. Like this is definitely, I was like, this song is cool. And like, so what? It's not like a single, you know what I mean? Like it's, it serves a purpose for me. So if it serves, if it can serve a purpose for anybody else, then like, you know what I mean? I, I just think people take it for granted. Like even if a song that I put out doesn't, you know, doesn't get on new music Friday or, get a million streams or whatever like if even one person dms me and goes like this song really helped me out today it's like mission accomplished like yeah it did something for me and it did something for a complete stranger totally, totally. living in south africa <laughs> like <there was> some <laughs> girl on my instagram live the other day from like south africa saying that and i was like well chalk that one up as a win you know yeah what I mean? totally totally i love that and you talked about I want to give you a chance to talk about what, what else you're working on. You have multiple multiple projects that you're doing, whether it's All Over the Kid, La Bouquet, 1990 Nowhere, and a number of collaborative and composer work. What can you tell me that you're currently working on and excited about? Oh, wow. Chris, Chris, dropped, the, Chris dropped the 1990 Nowhere bomb on you, huh? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Uh. I couldn't see it anywhere else, but he did He did tell me that, that um, yeah, when he, we, when he we recommended you. Like, we haven't like formally, I mean, we have the Twitter and the Instagram, uh-huh. but we haven't like posted about it yet. So like nobody, like, I mean, I've, I think I've talked about it as well to people, but I, like, I don't think no one masses don't really know about it yet. It's interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. That stuff's going to be really fun. Cause that's me, him and armors. Yeah. Um, and then Sam Beresford produced it, who plays keys for Winneka bowling league. Um, so that stuff will be fun. That's kind of the next thing that'll come out, I'm sure, because that's okay. coming out this summer. Awesome. Um, all over the kids stuff, I think we'll take a back seat for a minute because a lot of the stuff coming out, like, is still me. Like, the 1990 Nowhere stuff, like, you know, it's, it's going to be like uh, uh, that Kanye West, Kid Cudi's Kid See Ghost album where like they were their names were still attached to it and tagged on it. Yeah. So that's how we're doing that thing. Nowhere so that stuff will still appear on like the all over the kid Spotify and stuff. And then besides that, the La Bouquet album, which is gonna turn into an E P and an album. Um awesome. the E P will definitely be before the end of the year. Like okay. if I had to t- if someone was like gun to my head, when would it come out right now? I'd probably say like October. 
Okay. Um, the EP. Uh, and then all, and then there's like, I worked on said the skies album. Who's like the EDM guy that I, I, you know, great friend of mine, uh, great human being, um, really trusts me. And I worked on a lot of songs for his album. Um, I'm on three of them. And then the other ones I just wrote on, um, but we shot a video for that for one of the songs right before quarantine happened. I'm talking days. Wow. Like I think we were at the last party ever because like, <laughs> we, like the, like the shoot just kind of turned into a party. And then like, it was like three days later, everyone was like fully on lockdown, not leaving. Wow. Um, but his album's coming out, but I, I think that's getting delayed because he was going to do a tour too. And now, you know, they don't know when. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's the Said the Sky stuff, there's the 1999 stuff, there's the La Bouquet stuff, and then I have, like I said, I'm working on the next Oliver the Kid EP release, but even though, like, even though on paper, like, it's almost done, <laughs> like, I'm not rushing it because it's definitely the best one I've done yet, awesome. and... um, I think I'm going to wait until after the said this guy album comes out. Okay. Because, you know, I mean, this is like transparent, uh, inside baseball <laughs> quote, but, uh, like I, I, I would, I would try and like springboard off that release basically. Okay. Cause he's awesome. such a big artist that like, I'd wait for that to come out people <laughs> to find out who I am and then put out what I think is like my best work. Yeah, very smart move. That's like awesome. Solo. Yeah, so I'm just not rushing it, but there's still a lot of really fun stuff coming out. I um, I co-wrote a song for Jez Dior that's coming out June 5th. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's all the stuff I'm working on. Really, um, it's I'm 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 ending that by sounding like I'm downplaying it, but when I think about it, it's all of the kids, all of the kids, nice and nowhere. Said this guy's stuff. You know, <laughs> it, it, it's a, I don't know if anyone's gotten more done in quarantine that I've talked to than you. Yeah. I mean, I don't know <laughs> if, I don't know if anyone has written as many songs as I've written in the past seven or eight years. <laughs> That's I swear to God, like I'm sure there's someone, but like the songs that I've put out and the songs that I've written just for me and La Bouquet, and then you add on to that, like, my day job of, like, the commercial Seriously, shit. yeah. And then it's, like, the songs I've written for other artists. And, like, I don't know. I've just been on a tear. So, especially <laughs> the last, like, two, three years. Um, so, it's, it's it's nice that, you know, a lot of that stuff kind of gonna come to fruition now. People get Definitely, to yeah, and, and see light. And so... Um, mm-hmm. That's exciting. And I have, I want, I don't want to, again, I, I want to talk to you again because there's probably five or six questions that I didn't get to, but I don't want to take up your whole day. I want to talk hockey with you. I want to talk a little bit. I want to learn a little bit more about your day job. I want to talk about these things, but I'll end it with the five quick questions that I end every interview on. And cool. so number one, it's, if you have, if you had to choose a breakfast, like food group, that you had to eat for every meal. So breakfast food only, lunch food only, or dinner food only, which mm-hmm. food, which meal group would you choose? Um, it's definitely between breakfast and lunch. Okay. 
but I'd probably say lunch. Okay, is there a meal that is it there a meal that that like anchors on? I just think when I think of lunch, I think of like sandwiches okay. and like salads for yeah. me at least. So I'm like that I could kind of do for any meal. Yeah. I mean, obviously you, I could do a sandwich or a salad for lunch or dinner and then it's just about breakfast, so it's like you know. Yeah. It's not the same. You can't. Not a lot of people do salads for breakfast, and so yeah, I know there's I some spots in LA that do. Maybe, that do but but. I could do a sandwich for breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, perfect. Well, thank you. And then the second one is your go-to karaoke song or favorite cover. Um, a lot of times in karaoke, I'll do songs that are like, "Of course you picked that one," um, <laughs> but I do it because, like, when you talk about karaoke. It sounds lame, but when, uh-huh. you're doing, when you're doing karaoke, you just want everybody to have a good time. Totally. You know I mean? Yeah, 100%. Like when I, so when I was in Mexico recently uh, visiting Jez's dad, he lives in like an older community and went to a bar with all older people, and I sang um, Journey, Don't Stop Believing. Oh, okay. Yeah. And like it's in a high register, and like I nailed it. And, like, I was also, like, dancing around a little bit, and, like, the old people were loving me, and it's, like, it's, like, it's one of those songs, like, of course somebody would sing that song, but, like, you know, when you're talking about it, it's easy to say, like, pick a cool song, but, like, in the heat of the moment, like, I want to be a crowd pleaser. Oh, totally. Yeah. Everyone wants, everyone will sing along with you on that. Sometimes I'll do um, the outfield Your Love. Okay. Okay. Like Josie's on a vacation far away. Yeah, that one yeah. I get that one a lot. I ask that all the time, and I get that that one's so good. That one's great, but it's only good until the first chorus because the second verse blows True. huge chunks. <laughs> I wish True. the karaoke would stop after the first chorus. It's like, okay, next up, go. Yeah, there's a lot of karaoke songs like that, or a lot of songs like that for karaoke. Um, me you're the Jez first have been, uh Me and Jez have done "Hated or Love It" by Fifty Cent in the game before. <laughs> A couple of different times as a duet. Yeah, yeah, because he uh, he he knows all the rap parts and I do the chorus. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. That's cool. Okay. Um, guilty pleasures on tour or on the road. Chris's was he loves uh, gummies. He loves to stop and eat like gum, like Twin Snakes or Haribo gummies. So is it like a food thing? It can be anything. Any guilty pleasure that you have on the road. I always struggle with the term guilty pleasure because I'm not ashamed of anything, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm such a nerd. Like, like I would say, like, Pokemon, but, like, uh-huh. I don't give – like, I played Pokemon this morning. Like, I played <laughs> I played Dungeons & Dragons last night. Um, <laughs> so, maybe those or um, – hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Let me think. Those are – I mean – you know, there, I had a, a a long phase where if we're talking food, Taco Bell, because I had, we had, La Bouquet had Taco Bell Bucks, because we were like, quote, unquote, sponsored by Feed the Beat, the Taco Bell uh-huh. thing. Yeah. So we would eat Taco Bell, and like, that always makes you feel a little guilty, because it's not good for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, question four, one band that's not currently together that you'd want one more EP from? Huh, one more EP from. Um, 
Let me think. I wanted to initially say Pantera, okay. but but didn't isn't there didn't their singer become like a like a like a neo Nazi or something? Oh, uh, I'm I'm not maybe sure. I, maybe I'm getting stories mixed up. But so maybe not them. Let's not say them. Just in case he is. Um, who? Um, I really like this. This like, I guess they would be considered like metalcore band. Okay. Growing up, called Lower Definition. Okay. That um was huge for me in terms of drumming because their drummer, uh, Valentino is amazing. Their first EP, like, he no-click on the whole EP, so it's, like, a little over the place. He was using, like, like Zill bells, like wow. Z-bells. And, yeah. um, and then he went on to be in that band of Mice and Men. He's still in that, playing drums. Oh, okay. But he was in Lower Definition, and their singer had a similar register to me, has a similar register to me, and he kind of sang, like, R&B melodies over like metal music interesting so it was like their their songs instrumentally are heavy but he sings 90 percent of the time interesting and okay he kind of sounds like daryl palumbo from glassjaw which is a band another band i love okay. and they both kind of like bands like that like like lower definition glassjaw nightmare of you like bands like that taught me how to sing because I'm I'm sure they would all say like they're not the most talented like pitch perfect singers, but they all have interesting voices and they use their voice like an instrument. Yeah. And so it's like you know you have to you can bend your voice to your will to do whatever you want it to do. You know what yeah. I mean? So probably probably lower definition, which is a strange okay. one because it's like an obscure heavy San Diego band. <laughs> I love that. Um, no, number five, the last question. I appreciate your time again. Um, who is an interesting guest that you think I should have on the Road Trip Playlist podcast? Uh, I would say Jez, but I don't think he would do it because I can't even get a hold of him. So <laughs> if, if you could get a hold of him, I would be upset. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, he's like, you know, he's an interesting guy. He's one of my closest friends, but he's he legitimately is just like, he's the worst person at responding to <laughs> anyone like his mom, his sister, his best friend, like you can't get a hold of the guy. Um, <laughs> and he has like, like a thousand unread texts. It's insane. Okay. Um, yeah. I know those people. Yeah. So I would say him, but that's not, I would, I would also say I'll qualify this one too. This is another qualifying statement, but Olin from Armors, Okay. The other third of 1990 Nowhere. But I don't know if Owen is, like, he's really shy. I mean, Owen's, like, the nicest guy ever. I don't, like, see, I don't see him doing that many interviews in throughout his career, so I don't know if he would. But he would be another interesting one. And then who else do I think would be interesting? Maybe, um, Maybe Andy Tongren, who is the singer of Camden Wells. Okay. So Camden Wells used to be Young Rising Sun, who did the Halsey tour with Oliver the Kid. The first oh, okay, one. yeah. Yeah, I know them. So I met them, and Andy's the singer. And, like, Dylan, who was the guitar player, left to make Rad Horror. And then Young Rising Sun became Camden Wells. 
uh, and their New Jersey-based band. Okay. And he's just awesome. like a really he's another really good guy who likes hockey and he's a, he's a little sweetie and he's he's one of the most actually talented nat- naturally talented singers I know. So awesome. Okay. Yeah. Well, I might take a swing at all three. Um, yeah. And I really appreciate you giving me giving me names and I appreciate your time. And again, I I would love to talk to you again and ask some of the questions that I didn't didn't get to ask. Of course, man. Yeah, we'll do part two someday. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Cool. No worries, man. Have a good one with have a good one at your mom's. All right, see you. Okay, bye. Thank you again for listening to my interview with Oliver the Kid. He told a lot of great stories about his career and about music and was very open with his answers. I appreciated having him on and I appreciated the recommendation from Lost Boy Crow. Just as Lost Boy Crow recommended I have Oliver the Kid on the podcast, I would love for all of you to recommend someone that you think I should have on the podcast in the reviews. Leave a comment with the name of the artist that you think would be a great fit on the Road Trip Playlist podcast, and I will send out an interview request. As always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review to the Road Trip Playlist podcast. Stay tuned for our episode next week with folk artist Cat Clyde.